Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 10. Wow, we made it to episode 10 of Control Issues. I am blown away to think about, um, you know, how, how far things have come in the last few weeks and so much joy that is in my heart for this experience to bring all of us together in a very rough time, right? Quarantine is uh, has been trying on a lot of us, but it has also allowed me especially to lean into the fellowship of recovery and to lean on those who I really respect for strength, wisdom, guidance, um, and a whole lot of hope. And on this episode, I was able to sit down virtually because quarantine, but soon enough, thanks to the reopening of our lovely state of Georgia, I will start doing some more live tapings at my house. Um, Shout out to a stimulus check for allowing me to get some cool new equipment. Um, So it's going to be a good time. But with that being said, I was able to sit down um, with my dear friend, Kim Barron. And uh, I mean, I could have talked to her for hours. It helps that she's one of my best friends, but she just carries such an air of grace and and quirkiness that I truly love. And during the episode you're about to hear, we talked about how to stay authentic, overlooking for others' approval, excuse me. And just like the general struggles of eating disorders and body image and what it's like to work in recovery. And I mean, the topics were so vast yet so perfect. And so I really hope you enjoy the episode you're about to hear. Please feel free to like the Control Issues page on Facebook. Just give it a little search. Like and follow so you can be updated for our weekly Facebook Lives. Follow Control Issues on Instagram at Control Issues 19 to uh, hear some, excuse me, to see some wonderful inspirational posts that uh, I thoroughly enjoy putting up there and also updates and graphics about our upcoming guests in the next episode. I will be shifting to Facebook Live on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I go back to work in the office on Monday and even with no real traffic, it still takes me some time to get home and get settled. So need to do a little switcheroo and move sometimes. So follow the Facebook page to get updates. Follow Instagram. If you have any ideas for topics or you'd like to be a guest or you know someone that you'd really like to hear be a guest, shoot me an email at controlissues19 at gmail.com. You know, send me a DM, find me on Facebook. My name is unique, so it's not hard to find me, um, and I'm so grateful for everyone who's been listening, all the, the people who have viewed the Facebook Live videos, those who listen to the audio after the fact, and um, I think that about does it for a lengthy announcements, announcements, excuse me, I can't talk, I haven't had enough coffee this morning, portion of today, so at this point, I'd like to let uh, Kim take it away and we're gonna hear episode 10 of Control Issues of this. Um, I'm super excited to be here with my dear friend Kim and excited that everyone has tuned in to watch and potentially listen after the fact too. So if you're listening after the fact, thank you so much. This episode is being taped and on Facebook Live via the Control Issues Facebook page. If you'd like to watch live and ask questions to our special guests, Please like the page and follow so it gives you notifications, lets you know when we're going to go live. And then you can join us, ask questions, um, whatever you want to ask. Please keep your turtle questions brief, but you know, here we are. So um, 
with that being said, today I have the lovely Kim Barron joining me. She's joining me also from her own home because we're practicing good social distancing. Um, so I love you very much. You're one of my best friends, but the world would love to know who you are. So if you want to give us a little Reader's Digest of who you are, where you're from, and any other fun points you'd like to bring up. Oh, I have like a million fun points about me. <laughs> I could write a book. Um, yeah, I'm Kim, uh, full name Kimberly. Um, born and raised in Alpharetta. My parents live like walking distance from me currently, which is awesome. Same house I was raised in. I uh, went to Catholic school my whole life. It was a trip. Uh, <laughs> did a solid semester and a half of college before I was politely asked to leave. And uh, then I went to hair school and I did hair for about 11 years. And uh, now I work in recovery. Um, got sober like two, uh, like two and a half, not two and a half. I can't do math. It's like 24, 25, 26 months ago. I never know like, <laughs> I feel like with sobriety, it's like having a baby. Like, right. when do you stop counting the months and just say, like, I have two years sober? Like, you know, people say, like, oh, my baby is, like, 400 months old. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do that kind of math. Just tell I, me how old they are. I barely can myself. Like, <laughs> I hit that point where it was right before I picked up three years, and I was making a comment to somebody about it. And I was like, well, I have X amount of months. And I sat there and I was like, all right, what's three times 12 is 36. I'm a, I'm one month shy. So that means 35. Right. And I don't know. I love math, but like basic arithmetic is not my strong suit. And I fully blame our phones for having calculators on them because <laughs> my need to do basic arithmetic left me when I left the restaurant industry. I don't need to count back change anymore. And I can just be like, hey, Siri, well, I better do it quietly because she'll perk up. Um, <laughs> so you uh, you went to Catholic school, right? Um, which is cool because my family has a lot of Catholic heritage. I eventually was raised in the Episcopal Church. And um, it has a, it's like Catholic light, you know, just minus, you know, no diddling yeah. kids, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I, say that, I say that in jest. I love the Catholic Church because it's a lot of like the foundations of my family and who I am. Um, yeah. But so growing up Catholic, how did that impact your relationship with God or a higher power coming into the rooms? Because this is a spiritual program we're working. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely thought uh, for a while I, I always kind of questioned the Catholic religion. Um, there were just a lot of things that I didn't quite necessarily agree with or believe in. Um, and then when things started to get kind of bad with like my addiction, like I saw a lot of people I went to high school with living these really beautiful lives and like getting married and having babies. And like, I'm out here, you know, off of English Avenue mm -hmm. and like not living a great life. And, um, you know, I really thought that like God had abandoned me. Um, mm -hmm. so coming into the rooms, I kind of struggled with the idea of like, well, do I, you know, go back to this religion and believe in this God that I was taught to believe in? Because for me, you know, Catholicism and like religion was a school subject. Right. It wasn't necessarily something that I believed in um, or that I really practiced, I guess. Um, I did get confirmed, which um, I do think is a really cool thing that like Catholicism does. They wait until you're 
old enough to like accept the religion um, and make that personal decision, right? Exactly. Sixteen. Like yeah, my parents gave me the option of getting confirmed, um, and I just, you know, with a lot of things, I just felt like it was the next step in life. Like this was my path. Like I needed to get confirmed, even though they didn't really push it. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where they were like, do you want to take confirmation classes? And I was like, sure. It's a rhetorical question, right? <laughs> like, do I feel like I have to. So, okay. Right. I relate to that so much. I grew up like I was talking about the Episcopal church, which really is like Catholic, like, you know, there's baptism and we do confirmation too. And at that point, like, I believed in God because my parents said I believed in God, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there was some part of me that always longed for a connection with something greater than myself. And a lot of that was because I saw my dad and my mom, like so deeply attached to this higher power, you know? Um, and then when it came time for confirmation, it was the first time where I was like, I don't think I believe in this. And we had to go in and sit down with like the priest, um, father Paul, who's like one of my idols. And he asked me like, do you firmly believe you want to continue on this path? And I was like, well, yeah, because everybody else was doing it. Like it was expected of me to say yes. And at that point, like it was the first moment of doubt, which then that preceded many other years of doubt in a higher power. So with your upbringings in the Catholic church, which this is kind of like a broken record for a lot of us in the rooms, do you feel like now you've molded like for those who are listening who are not super familiar with the program, you know, step three and uh, part of step two, right? Like we create this idea of a God of our own understanding. Um, what has that looked like for you? Um, have you leaned into the Catholic church or maybe gone a different way or maybe a hodgepodge of both? Um, has that shaped yeah. your faith at all? Um, there's There's been a little bit of a change. I think when I first got sober, um, my higher power looked very different than it looks now. Okay. Um, you know, for me now, my higher power is very, um, it's like ever growing, ever changing. I, I can't really like place a name or a face on it or anything like that. It's just, um, it's, it's something that's very fluid to me. Um, mm -hmm. I still respect the Catholic church and I do still consider myself Catholic. Right. Um, but I haven't actually been back to church since I got sober because I really struggle wow. with the, uh, wine. Okay. You know, Catholics, yeah. Catholics believe in um, transubstantiation mm -hmm. and that's like when they do the blessing of the, you know, the wafer and the wine, it like Catholics believe that it fully becomes the body and blood. And so I've right. had a lot of talks with people, um, a lot of old timers in the rooms, like, is this a relapse? And, um, you know, a lot of people go into it with like, they're like, well, is your intention like to taste the wine or do you believe that it's actually the blood? And right. like where I'm at with it is like, I don't, I don't think that I believe that, but mm -hmm. I have respect for people that do like my parents are very Catholic and I have a lot of respect for that. So, right. And you know, my faith coming in. I guess maybe it, it will no, for sure. It's definitely changed over the entire course of my sobriety. And I think that's the best thing that could ever happen for me. Right. When I ch choose to put God in a box and decide, you know, maybe this isn't everyone's view, but it's mine. Right. Like once I really nail down what God is other than, I think he sounds like Aslan really least Liam Neeson <laughs> Aslan. Um, Cause that voice is so comforting and powerful, but beyond that, I stopped seeking God. Right. So at the beginning I had this idea of like, 
God is this. It is exactly this. And all you people worshiping um, a doorknob or a cloud are fucked up, right? Like I did not understand that. And I, I had to, like everything else in recovery, have my ass handed to me to remind me that that's not what it's about, right? Like it's not my job to tell someone else what to believe in. And once I broke down that barrier of that, you know, that personality going front of principles for me, my relationship with God has completely changed. Now I do still say, I'm still a Christian woman. I go to church. I mean, you know this about me. I read my Bible. <laughs> But I am so much more open to listening to other people's conceptions of God and taking that in. And also, I never shove it down anyone else's throat. If someone wants to go to church with me, join a Bible study with me, heck yeah. But if not, that's cool, too. Like, I've learned so many rad things from other faiths and other choices. And like, I mean... I don't know, someone gave me the, a box of Sufi cards to borrow or Sufi wisdom cards, and I, I opened it, and I've kind of, I don't know, been reading them, and part of my, like, I rigid... I that is. <laughs> so they're like, I'm going to butcher this. So if you are listening or watching and you firmly believe in this stuff, I'm sorry. It's not meant offensively. It's just, like, my basic understanding. Like, the Sufi mystics were these, like, people with wisdom and it's kind of that idea of like it's not tarot but like it's more wisdom and like like when you read the card you're supposed to like take in the concept and put like uh what do you call it like project it onto your life right so i'm okay with that tarot not cool with yet i just <laughs> has witchcraft but you know but if that's what you believe that's rad i don't really care so i think it's really cool that you've embraced like one part of you know your faith right with and like that really brought you up and is a large part probably of who you are because for me it is and then also like this new concept and what i've learned from personal experience as well going to church when i go back to the episcopal church on the high holy days is for us we can get blessed so i haven't touched the wine because i was like hmm i don't know if i believe yeah. it is jesus <laughs> I know I believe I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And uh, yeah, for me, like wine is a big thing for me. Yeah. Like if I drank that, I would be like, let's do it. And it's not grape juice in most, most of the churches, right? Unless you're going to, I don't know, other churches, but like Catholic and Episcopal churches, they're serving Chianti and stuff. And I mean, I know myself enough now. So, um, you said you work in recovery, right? You know, sorry to totally divert to a different topic. I could talk about God all day long. So you yeah. work in recovery, but you came from doing hair, which you do my hair and it looks beautiful. Thank you. Um, what was that like making that transition of something that I know you were very passionate about? Has it been a tough shift or do you absolutely love it and no regrets whatsoever? Yeah, it was a really scary shift at first. Um, you know, so I didn't always do hair when I was in the hair industry. Um, I had an incident when I was using where I clipped a lady's ear off. Van Gogh. <laughs> and, oh, uh, no. So like that was like three and a half years into me doing hair and I was very strung out. Um, so I was like, maybe I should stop doing hair for <laughs> a little bit. But I um, continued to like work in management. Um, okay. And uh, so it's always been a part of my life. And, um, you know, in all honesty, I felt very bound to it because it's the like really only education that I completed outside of high school. Like I, I went to hair school, I got my license, um, all of that. So I felt like that was all I had to offer. 
mm. um, with something in the hair industry. And um, when the opportunity came for like, I, I, I loved doing hair. I really do. And I still do, but it really is more of a passion of mine. And like financially speaking, I'm, I'm like a huge empath. And so like when I start to connect with my clients, then I start to like really worry about their wallets when I'm doing their hair. And so I'm like, well, let me like take off half your service because like you're going through a rough time and like, that's great for them, but like that doesn't pay my rent, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it was like, it's, it's always kind of affected me. Um, and so I kind of knew like, for my anxiety and stress, like I needed something that was a little bit more stable and I'd always wanted to work in recovery, but I needed to be a little bit more stable within myself and my okay. program before I kind of made that shift. Um, and I actually was discussing it with my friend, um, shout out Jean. Um, she was like super overwhelmed with her job or with the company she's were at. And um, she was like, we need help. And I was like, maybe like I would want to work there. And like within a week it was like set up and um, wow. my sobriety has gone in like these dramatic shifts. So like w this time around this whole shift, like I moved, I went through a breakup, I started a new job, like all in one. And so like, I didn't really have the time or energy to like focus on the fear of leaving that industry. I kind of just did it and I have loved it. I felt like, I feel like I've found my purpose, um, like being around the girls that I work with every day. I mean, it's incredible. Like they, they help me, I think more than I help them. Um, I really help them just with my like very beautiful dance moves, <laughs> which I'm a fan. I'm a very talented dancer. <laughs> you do great. You know, and it, it's so great to find something that you're passionate about that you get to also do as your career. Um, we talked about this last week's episode, and I say it often because it comes from Letter Kenny as well. As you know, if you I love was just watching that, by the way. Yeah, pitter patter, let's get at her. But you know, if you if you find something that you love to do, it's like you've never worked a day in your life. And that's been a struggle for me. I was in the restaurant industry for a long time because I thought that was all I had to offer. That was like my skills for a long time because you and I both may look like we're 21, but we're a good bit far off from that. <laughs> we're old ladies. <laughs> drugs, drugs preserve you folks. Um, <laughs> we are old ladies and I'm proud of it. So, you know, I really relate to what you said about that. And on the bonus side, you can do hair on the side. I do. So, I had a friend who was a hairstylist for a long time, and she really felt like a lot of her identity was um, attached to doing hair. Do you relate to that at all, or is it just kind of something that you fell into? Um, I I think that doing hair helped me find my identity, um, okay. but I don't really think that it like necessarily defined me. Um, uh, like you know, going to a Catholic school, I couldn't really express myself the way I wanted to. I know it's like shocking. Um, Zora <laughs> and I are both blonde, everybody. Um, I am a natural blonde. Zora is a natural blonde. So uh, giving away my secrets, Kim. Sorry, I'm giving away my own. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I really couldn't express like who I was or who I felt like I wanted to be um, growing up. So um, I think doing hair gave me that opportunity. And I've always worked in, or I had always worked in hair salons that really um, 
focused heavily on like embracing who you were. Um, so that was a huge thing for me. And that's awesome. Cause I think there's a lot to be said for authenticity over approval, right? Like one of the hardest parts for me, I mean, gosh, there's so many hard parts. I'm, I'm real, really in a weird spot in my personal life, but you know, one of the, the hard things, not only of just being a, a woman in recovery, but being a woman in general. And, you know, shout out to all the people who are commenting and listening right now. Kim definitely dances like Elaine and so do I. Um, well, so if you're being a right now. She said you are light brown. You don't know anything, Allison. That is, a, that's her job as your sister, right? <laughs> if mine weren't 11 and seven, I'm sure they'd be on here roasting, but they can't work internet without my stepmother. Um, but you know that, that authenticity and being who you are, because I struggle with that, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a natural blonde, but I, I feel so much more like myself when my hair is red or a different color or, and it's not all about the outside, but there's definitely like something to finally embracing who you are. I, I, I'm not the cookie cutter image that I think, and maybe it's just my perception that my parents wanted me to be, or what I thought the world wanted me to be. And I've really been struggling with that because I'm having some issues like with people throwing shade at me and it makes it hard to feel like I can be the person who I am. Wow. Now, one of the things I value about you the most um, among the many qualities is you're truly an authentic person. You're weird as they come and I love <laughs> it. And you're not afraid to be weird because that's who you are. Do you ever feel like you struggle with that? Or is it just like, Hey, I am braceless and embrace this and like, let my freak flag fly. Say that. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, when I, when I got sober, it was like one of those things where I feel like I finally let go of, of uh, really caring what other people thought. Um, my, when I got sober, I was in a relationship for six and a half years and um, great, great guy. We're still friends. We share custody of our dog together. Um, just different life paths. Um, but when I was with him, I was wearing like j crew stuff and like yeah well that's a cute j crew shirt but like i was wearing like button ups and like i cut off all of my hair and it was like blondish brown like balayage and i was mm -hmm. wearing like designer purses and i think when i got sober i was just kind of like this isn't me like yeah. i even like i wasn't doing my eyeliner when i was in that relationship so like I lost myself. For um, those of you who are are not watching, excuse me, Kim has a very Kim eyeliner. It is like one of the things that is, you should get it trademarked or something. So when she says that, it's quite a big deal for her not to be wearing this like, um, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word and it can't come to me, quintessential Kim eyeliner. So uh, to can you continue on with what you're saying? Yeah. So when I got sober, I like actually took all of these clothes that I had and I took them to Ragarama mm -hmm. and I just sold them and I used all of that change and got everything that like I liked. And, you know, it's funny, like I feel like who I am now is exactly who I wanted to be when I was like in high school. Um, yeah. Like I get like all of my joy for my look from like the MySpace scene queen <laughs> and like, I mean, I want, I idolized those girls like so much the hair, how big it was. Um, and then like very much so like Amy Winehouse, I yeah. very much so like just love everything about her and her look. So that's kind of where it like stems from. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, I, I do struggle from time to time with like, um, you know, am I going to dress like this? Am I going to have long black hair and like dark eyes my whole life? And like, Mm -hmm. I try not to future trip on that because like for now it makes me happy and I'm very much an advocate for like, I just do whatever makes me happy and like feel good and comfortable. So like my, one of my best friends always says that, um, I have two, my wardrobe is two extremes. It's either extremely oversized or extremely undersized. Yeah. And that's pretty true to who I am. (laughs) Yeah. You're either wearing that Nike pros super tight stuff or like a big baggy shirt, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard to find who you are, especially when, you know, you, you spend your, a large part of your life with drugs and alcohol, right? Like I, I think that there was this weird mask uh, or like a shroud over me of trying to be something that I wasn't so that people would like me more in whatever avenue I was in, right? Um, Whether it was being at church, showing up in the J Crew stuff you're talking about, which is why I have this little sushi tea. Um, I feel like Buffy today, but, or being the person who was like who I was when I hung out with people I used with or whatever version of people I thought they wanted me to be. And it's hard, right? Like I didn't start really living an adult sober life until 25, And I'm still trying to figure that out. There's a lot of parts of me that are definitely like, I love Disney. I love football. I love certain things. I really love indie music, right? Like stuff that I've found over the years that was always there, but there's so many societal pressures. And I think you do an incredible job of saying, fuck the societal pressures. I'm going to be exactly who I want to be. And I need to be more like that. I don't need to care about the person who's, you know, throwing shade at me or talking behind my back because that shows something about their character and not mine. Right. Right. And fuck them because you know what? I am who I am and (laughs) RBG didn't pave the way for me to be an outspoken woman. Um, just to let them, you know, cause me to eat an entire large pizza. Um, yeah, which is a a good time. Pepperoni mushroom always a go, but (laughs) I miss pizza pizza so much. Oh yeah. You're gluten free. It just doesn't, it doesn't hit the same. No, it does not. And I'm so sorry for that for you. Um, I'm lactose intolerant, but I just say, screw it. I'll just like hate myself later. Kind of like a lot of the rest of my life, like, you know, progress, not perfection. Um, you know, and, and the food thing is hard, right? This, this idea that people suggest that we look a certain way, right? That the mm-hmm. almost unattainable Kim Kardashian body without Photoshop or plastic surgery. Um, and I know that has had a huge impact on me with my eating disorder, which I came out and and talked about, um, right before I started doing the Facebook lives. Um, and you know, I think we all struggle with some sort of disordered eating, whether or not it's a legit eating disorder. Mine happens to wear a happy anorexic bow, but then for the first time the other day, I experienced a totally different side of that and, you know, binged and purged. And I've never had that experience before. And it made me feel like shit, you know, And I don't know if you have any similar experiences or you want to elaborate on maybe some body image and how you go the opposite way and stay in support of yourself. Yeah. um, So, yeah, I've struggled with an eating disorder since um, college, um, the short time I was there. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, for a while I didn't recognize it as an eating disorder. So I was very delusional about it. Um, for me, um, I was more of a purger, um, uh, and, um, 
<laughs> uh, sorry, I just saw the comment. <laughs> um, gothic goddess, you? Yeah. Um, I was, for me, it was like, I, my anxiety, I thought like my anxiety was just triggering these things. Cause like for me, my anxiety manifests in very physical, um, like pain and, mm -hmm. um, like just bodily things. And so I always kind of felt like I was purging because of my anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't realize until like, I kind of like took a step back and saw that like, these moments where I was purging were all like huge stressors and things in my life, um, like breakups, um, mm -hmm. life changes, anything like that. Like anything that made me feel very out of control um, would cause me to purge. And like, I kind of started to recognize that it was an issue when I realized like I felt relief after, yeah. after okay. I, you know, purge. Cause it was like, Oh, I can breathe now. Like, I feel better for me. It wasn't necessarily about body image, but it was more so like, I feel better when I do this. And for me, that was a lot of like, I have control over this. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've struggled with that on and off for many years. And, um, you know, I go through some like wild weight changes. Um, and I just try to stay as vocal as possible about like where I'm at with it. Um, you know, I know I've talked with you about it. Like mm -hmm. when I kind of feel like out of my element, like I try to talk on it before like my body can start to feel that like, <gasps> like right. I need to do something to let go of this. Um, and you can't drink or use anymore. Right. So right. it's yeah. the fallback. Yeah. And I will say like getting sober was wild for me because you know, I've, I'm an addict, but I also like very much um, like I identify mostly as an alcoholic. Um, okay. And so I lost like 40 pounds when I got sober because mm -hmm. it was all alcohol bloat. I mean, I was a little chubbers. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I lost all this weight and, you know, losing that weight kind of like got me into my head of like, well, I like this. How do I keep this up? And like, I am not an athletic person. So it's like, I thought you were a Nike pro, you know, I am. It's, it, you know, I'm sorry. That's a running joke. <laughs> it's, it's, I am a Nike pro, but, um, you know, like just the crunches, the burpees, the, the wind sprint that I do, it's, you know, just, it's very simple things, but, uh, that's all I do. And it takes right. about three seconds or until I die. <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah good sorry oh no I, I think I stepped on your toes it's weird when you're not in the same room as someone else but you have you know respecting social distancing um no matter what our lovely governor says um but I for a long time you know there there's so many things that were going on in my head to tell myself that I didn't have an eating disorder. And a lot of them were just like the physicality of it. Right. Like I had lost a bunch of weight, but I couldn't see it. Um, one time I went to the hospital and like a nurse called me out on it. And I was like, no, unless you're sticking a feeding tube down me, I'm good. Right. Like I, I was very delusional about it the same way I was about my alcoholism and addiction for a long time. Mm. Um, but what I had to learn in the process of like recovery from my eating disorder, which I have not been perfect. If, if I was picking up chips regularly, I'd have to pick up a white chip right now after my little incident on Monday. But, you know, it was 
so much more about control and it still is, right? And I talked to you about that earlier. Like I felt incredibly out of control. My enjoyment of this quarantine has greatly diminished in the last like three or four days. And the only thing that my brain could think of, even though it was not the right thing, was like, hey, maybe you should eat your feelings and then punish yourself again, because at least I could control that, right? I can't control what other people say about me. I can't control X, Y, or Z, but what I can control is this. And I totally regret it. And it was awful. I didn't feel relief at all like I do with other things. And so I probably have a lot more work to do in that avenue and a lot more inventory to write, as my sponsor would say. Um, but I, I think it's incredibly awesome that you were willing to be open about this on here. Um, Cause it's vulnerable and it's icky. It's a lot easier to yeah. talk about drugs and alcohol. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that, that's one thing. Like I, um, I, I don't know why, like there, there are a lot of things that I can be very open with and like my eating disorder is definitely one of them. It's hard to be open about it because then you feel like you're being watched by people. Oh my like, gosh. Yes. Super judged. Like you go out to a restaurant and like you genuinely aren't hungry, but people are like, Right. Eating? Like, or you like have to go to the bathroom and people are like, she's going to go puke. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, like I, I just drank three Red Bulls in a row. Like I actually <laughs> have to pee, but like, thank you. And, and comments are made, right? Like, you know, I, I have, not only do I struggle with like anorexia, but I am an obsessive cardio workout or whatever. I don't know what the right term is. Um, and so like, I have to be cautious of certain other things. And I have some people in my network who also understand like you're one of those people. And then I have some people I've told that don't understand and there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes comments get made that are very hard to handle. It almost, you know, it's, it's hard to compare, but if you're out there and you're struggling with an eating disorder, reach out to me, reach out to Kim, reach out to anyone really. Um, and we get it right. Like it's the same way that another alcoholic understands another alcoholic, another addict and whatever, you know, carrot and vegetable stuff. So, you know, you and I are close in, in many, many ways. Um, talking about eating disorders, our, our recovery, all of that stuff. And we're just friends on top of that. Um, but we weren't always friends and this <laughs> friendship is fairly new and one of my favorites. Um, but I thought it might be cool if you could kind of elaborate on what it's been like to connect with women and kind of what brought you there because it's one of the biggest parts of growth that I've seen in you in the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Zora, uh, you and I became friends. Um, I disliked her. I'm going to be <laughs> very frank with, like, I'm going to be very blunt with that. Yeah. Um, because I thought that she was interested in my ex <laughs> and, um, long story. So I was like, I need to know this girl. Like I need to know her. Mm -hmm. um and like check her but um you know obviously that relationship didn't work out and Zora had started getting her hair done by me and um we we kind of just started bonding and I it was actually like um I I began to see like why that friendship existed and mm -hmm. I wanted a similar friendship like I wanted that closeness with you um I really struggled for a very long time with my relationship with women. Um, I've always, like, even in sobriety, I've always lived with men. Um, right. And most of my friends are men. Um, and 
I even had a guy sponsor for a while. Um, oh, yeah. I just, yeah, I just didn't. Um, I, I felt very uncomfortable around females. Like I, I can always talk to females, but it's like breaking through that barrier of like getting vulnerable and honest. Like it was an icky thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually when I went through my breakup that um, I started reaching out to you and mm-hmm. a few other women and being like, I can't do this. And um, well, actually to back up, I started having issues and I ended up getting a female sponsor. So I was like, mm-hmm. my issues with females, like my distrust of females, all of that, like it needs to change. Um, and I felt so out of control with that, that like, it was just, it was affecting me. I felt like I was back in active addiction with like how crazy I was going. So um, I got a female sponsor and she's an angel. She's 100%. a angel. I love her to death. Um, and, uh, she started taking me through the steps and, um, suggested that I start going to women's meetings. And that's when I found your women's meeting Wednesday nights. Can't wait until the quarantine's over so we can start doing it again. Um, and, um, I started getting vulnerable because I knew that I had to get uncomfortable Mm-hmm. And I had to allow, like, I had to let women into my life in order to, like, grow up, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I started reaching out to more women. And I, um, you know, it was just, it's been really wild, honestly. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, how did I not think of this? <laughs> Like 15 years ago that like, like women helping women is like something really awesome. Like, um, you know, cause I think that we're like very trained to like, just hate other women. You know, you hear in the rooms all the time. Like I, I think I've heard almost every single female in the rooms be like, well, I just don't like other girls. I don't like get along with other girls. And it's like, you're not allowing yourself to like other girls or get along with other girls. You're putting a fear in front of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that we think that if like a girl is like better than us, like Mm -hmm. they are higher up on the totem pole to like get married and have babies and all that (laughs) stuff. Like they could potentially risk us like meeting our soulmate, you know, (laughs) like anything like that. So, um, but I found so much more peace in my life and so much more happiness in like, that that hole that's been missing that I've been trying to fill with like relationships and like drugs and alcohol at a time like really what was missing was like a true and deep connection with females Um, you know because only females understand recovery from a female perspective you know 100% and it just it's hard in the beginning it's almost like I I mean I relate 100% of I didn't want to give it a chance because when I was out there you know Females were my competition, right? Because I was living a completely different manipulative life, right? Um, And I had to walk through my own experience and feel like, you know, super uncomfortable and super miserable because I had no real connections, right? The only connections I had were with dudes who were also around zero to six months and who really wanted nothing else (laughs) other than to sleep with me. Let's be real, okay? Um, And they still do, ladies. If you're under six months, 
<laughs> Probably only a 2% chance. And that's from my personal experience. Uh huh. So um, with that being said, right, like it took me being uncomfortable and finally listening to my sponsor and being like, and I did the awkward thing, walk up to women and be like, hey, my sponsor said I need to get your number. Can I have <laughs> it? And then like actually calling people. And over the course of time, right, like I love women's meetings more than co-ed meetings. I lean heavier into like friendships with women. Now I have a lot of guy friends. I love sports. I love cigars. I love Star Wars. I, there's plenty of things about me that connect with dudes, but overall, like my connections with, or my connection to other women is the strongest part. Mm-hmm. If I have an issue, I'm calling one of the, the first five women that are within that inner circle, right? Calling my sponsor, calling you, calling Drew, calling the certain people, um, because there's no hidden agenda. With that being said, there are some women that are in my life or associated to me that do have a hidden agenda, but that says nothing about me rather than them, right? And I I mean me not saying like I have all this ego. I just mean like if you're in a similar situation, your worth is not defined by what someone else thinks of you. You are worthy just by being a human being that lives on this earth, right? Like that's it. That that, That's the be all and end all of it. Um, And... If we spend more time as women building up other women, I think this world will be a better place. Um, Because calling someone else a bitch, uh, that gives other, that gives dudes a right to call us that, right? Like, except in like a funny way, if you're like, bitch. bitch, (laughs) But you know what I mean, right? That like, our men bring us down enough that we don't need other women doing it too. And I will stand on my soapbox about that as the day is long. Um, you know, I'm kind of coming out of a really rough situation that had me in a really dark place the last few days. And I'm really glad that you were willing to come on here with me because I feel so, a little bit more hope than I did. You know, um, the tears have been shed. The pizza has been eaten. The m- TV shows about murder and the plots have been made, but <laughs> it doesn't need to be reality. Um, you haven't watched like Midsummer, Midsummer, however you say it. Like, what did you watch it like six times in a row one time? That was um, hereditary. hereditary. <laughs> but true. I've also seen Midsummer. Guys, I'm messed up. Okay. I don't know why I'm this way, but you know, I've got Disney tattoos to bring it the cheer in. But at the same <laughs> point in time, there's always a murder up here. I'm, I'm just kidding. God forbid I have like, I don't know, someone's going to take this to a DA somewhere. Um, so if you had to leave us with one little tidbit of wisdom, maybe it comes from your current personal experience or, you know, just something that you'd like to pass on to another woman in recovery or another person who may need a little bit of hope and experience. Do you have something you'd like to, to say to the world? Um, I guess something that's like, sorry. Um, something that's. Yeah, I choked choked myself up. Um, I guess something that's been really big for me right now is um, just taking that risk, um, taking the risk to trust myself, taking the risk um, to risk vulnerability, to Mm. risk trust, to risk love, um, you know, just taking that risk to be myself and knowing that, like, life is going to happen exactly how it's meant to happen. And I no matter how much control I try to exert, it's still just going to happen exactly how it's supposed to happen. And, you know, just enjoying the ride, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting back and enjoying it, eating some popcorn and, you know, but I've been really big on like, just 
just risking that vulnerability because you know what's the worst that's gonna happen like I get rejected like I've been rejected before and I know how to get through it so and I have a support system to help me through it when it gets too tough so just oh, take a risk that. to you know have growth I needed to hear that for sure because that's uh, something I definitely struggle with you know I am headstrong and I I mean the podcast is called control issues. Okay. But beyond all of that, like it's very hard for me to take risks sometimes because I have had a lot of things in my life and that have let me down or people who have let me down or blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. I could play the victim all day, but that doesn't serve me. Right. What I can do is, you know, finally say yes to certain things. And I'm not talking about running out in front of a car, like dangerous stuff, but like right. take the good risk, right. Take the risk of someone saying, Hey, do you want to go to this new meeting or, Hey, do you want to dye your hair purple or whatever it is, right? Like take that risk because we have one life and that YOLO statement is annoying, but it's so true, right? Like I only live once. I might as well enjoy it and have an opportunity to connect with people in the process. Um, so I'm so incredibly grateful that you came on here. Um, and you look so dashingly beautiful as well. Um, Thank you. But before <laughs> we end and I do my little announcement piece, do you want to plug your YouTube channel? Because Kim's got a YouTube channel. I do. I have a YouTube channel. Um, it started in quarantine. And uh, I was really bored. And I was like, I feel like the world should like know what's going on in my head. Yes. I don't know why. I thought that was a good idea. But um, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. It's uh, Kim Barron. It's just um, B-A-R-R-O-N. Mm -hmm. uh, not like the pizza with one R. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like a look into my life and just how fucking crazy I am. <laughs> and, and we need that, especially right now. So go follow Kim's YouTube channel, check out her Nike pro life. Cause it's awesome. And, you know, I'm ever so grateful for everyone who is on here tonight and everyone who's made comments, you know, Kim, you truly are a Gothic goddess, as was said in the comments, an angel sent from the heavens. Um, so next week, um, we're going to be doing this on Tuesday, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Actually, I go back to work in the office on Monday, so it's a little bit harder for me to get home and situated and everything to be on here by six, because as Kim can vouch, there's some stuff that goes in front of this that uh, takes some, some figuring out for a few minutes. Um, so... If you want to tune in next Tuesday at 6 p.m., the lovely Shane Cole is going to be joining me, and we're going to have an awesome time. I'm super excited. Um, so tune in Tuesday at 7 p.m., and thank you for everyone being flexible about what time and what day. I'm just still figuring this stuff out. You know, I'm, I'm only a human, right? You're doing a lot better than I am, honey. <laughs> A little bit of progress and a whole lot of YouTube. Um, but so please join us next week um, on, on Tuesday at 6 p.m. or 7. God bless America. I'm so sorry. Um, if you can't be here to join us live and see everyone's wonderful faces and join us with some comments and some questions, um, please feel free to like and follow Control Issues' Facebook page so you get updates. Find me on Spotify and on iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can listen to the audio all the way back to the very first episode. And it's a good time. It's a There are definitely some good listens. And, you know, I just hope that everyone continues their day with the amount of, you know, love and hope that I have after this and also for all of you. And um, 
I think that's about it. So grace and peace, my friends. 